our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are so much more powerful than we think. Welcome to Working Women Mentor, a podcast that empowers everyday women like you, like me, to share and learn from life's mentor moments. I am your host, Rainey Alfers, and in each episode, you will meet inspiring women that understand the power of recognizing mentor moments and how those moments can change it all. These fabulous women are here and ready to share it all with you. So let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to season four of Working Women Mentor. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to Andrea DeWitt. She is a best-selling author of a newly published book that is making a ton of noise. We found her on the Today Show because Emily Giffen, someone we all probably know and love, recommended her and just really said that this book is what will give us the three simple pieces of advice on how to have this well-lived life, how to approach what we're going through. And wow, was she right. So I'm so thankful that Andrea agreed to talk with us today on our season opening episode because she not only is a wonderful woman, she took this name, claim, and reframe process and brought it to life through something that had just happened in my own life. And I'll tell you, I'm not used to being asked questions, and I so enjoyed it because this is really about mentorship and what the guests have to share with everyone. And as a very self-aware person, there were things that were happening when I was listening to her that I thought, wow, I didn't even think about that until today, until we spoke. And so I believe in her method. I believe in her approach. And I'm so excited to bring it to you today. She has a mantra that is something we could really listen to over and over. But it's exactly this. It is only when we dare to look inside ourselves that we find the truth to light our way forward. And that's really beautiful because looking inside, as we know, is very difficult. But she's going to help make it really easy. And with her beautiful smile, let's go and meet Andrea DeWitt. Name, claim, and reframe your path to a well-lived life. Here we go. Andrea DeWitt, thank you for joining us on Working Women Mentor today. You are kicking off season four, and I am so excited to have a conversation with you, introduce you to the audience, and just everything you have to share. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited. Thank you, Rainey. I'm really excited to be here. Very excited. Listen, okay, I'm going to let you do the introductions because you have a, I'm sure, a humble way of telling us all about yourself. But please introduce yourself to our audience. My name's Andrea Mindy Witt, and I am an author, a speaker, and a coach. I think my trajectory is a little different because I spent the first 32 years of my career in education. I did everything from teach school to being a reading specialist. And then I went off and I taught at a college. And about when I was in my early 50s, I thought, you know what? This, what I'm doing here, I've done this and I don't want to do this anymore. It doesn't feel like it matches my core values. And what I love about this work is I love coaching. I love counseling my students. And so I did something very brave. I jumped ship from academia and I went back to school. And I earned my coaching certification and I started a new business as a life and leadership coach. I mean, I was terrified, Rainey. I'm sure. That's a big jump. 
it is a big jump. And I thought, first of all, no one's going to take me seriously. They're going to say, what is this old lady doing in our class? <laughs> and can I actually make money? And am I smart enough to, to go back to school? I mean, all those questions that we all have, you know, I'm proof that it's never too late and you're not too old. And everything that you've done really prepares you for the next thing you're going to do. And when I walked in to that classroom, there were a lot, it's a, a full year program. I walked into that classroom, Rainy, and I thought, oh my goodness, these are my people. Where have they been? Here I am talking to you. And thank goodness you are here. You're here with us. And I'm so excited about that. But you also, you're coming from a teaching environment. And now we're learning from you and you're 30 years in that arena. And so I'm curious, are you seeing a shift from the limiting beliefs that people may have had 30 years ago from the limiting beliefs they're having now with society changing, people changing? I mean, what are those shifts like in our limiting beliefs? Really great question. I think education has changed a lot the time since I started in the mid-80s. I really think that society has a much greater awareness of how learning differences impact understanding, but more importantly, how cultural differences impact misunderstanding. And it really gives us an opportunity to understand where everybody's coming from. And I noticed that when I was teaching at the college too, in that I really saw that when I started teaching school, we weren't looking at learning differences or cultural differences and how people take in information. When we understand where everybody's coming from, we can be much more empathetic and we might learn something and new perspectives. And I love that that's coming in. We're not there yet. And we have lots that we can learn more about. But I think that education is getting better in that way. I love your journey because you've seen it all and you've seen a lot and now you're able to apply it to so many different groups of people rather than just one homogenous way. I hope so. Because I come from an academic background, I love structures. And so as I was writing my book, Name, Claim and Reframe, Your Path to a Well-Lived Life, as I was going through the steps, I thought, okay, so I need to make this content accessible to everybody. I went about it in many different ways with personal stories, with client stories. Um, I used a lot of visual charts and things because you want to make sure people aren't falling off the track. Everybody needs to see themselves and they need to feel seen and heard and understood. And from what I'm hearing so far, the book was just released December 20th, but I think I achieved that. And I think that being a teacher does help because if you're a good teacher, Everybody gets it. You mentioned the book, and I can't wait to talk about the book because name, claim, and reframe. I mean, just the title I want to repeat over and over and over to myself as I go through things in life. It's making some noise right now. It is making noise, Rainy, and we're really excited right out of the gate. We're featured on the Today Show. So it was exciting to have that nod. In a nutshell, it's a three-part structure. Name your triggers or the things that are keeping you from responding to life instead of reacting to it. Claim actions that match up with your core values. When you know what your core values are, then it's much easier to understand where you want to go and keep sacred what's most important. Then the reframe comes. You cannot reframe unless you've named and claimed. The reframe comes when you're able to realign your perspective, separate your ego, and really respond to the situation with new ownership. So you can see, well, you know, I might have to do this, but 
this is the goal. This is going to serve me in the future because of these things. So you can take adverse situations and think, okay, this happened to me, but here's the gift within this thing. So reframing life, my goodness, it's very optimistic. And we're able to really take our power back in a very strategic way. So that's the name, the claim, and the reframe. It's so well laid out. What was your inspiration behind writing a book? Because it's a huge step. It is a big step. And it was during COVID. I had, I always tell the story, I had zero clients. Life coach with zero clients is a problem. And so I thought, this isn't, I reframed it. This is an incredible opportunity to write that book that I've always wanted to write. And I had been using the name, claim, and reframe structure with my clients. And my why was really to make this tool accessible to everybody. Because not everybody can afford to hire a coach as a thought partner. And I thought, goodness, if I could take this and put it into a very you know, digestible book, then I could make these tools available to everybody. So the name, claim, and reframe system was really my journey of how to disarm from my rather warrior-esque leadership qualities and really embrace a more holistic view to leadership, combining both masculine and feminine leadership qualities into a much more well-rounded leader. And so that's really what name, claim, and reframe is about. And it's on a path to a well-lived life, which is my favorite thing about the title of this book, because while you give a recipe even in the title of how to do it, and of course you explain it throughout the book, but you mentioned energy. And so I've got to touch on that because there's masculine, there's feminine energy, and it's non-binary. And no matter how you identify, this is really just about the energy we're presenting, the triggers that we have. This has become such a topic. Can you dive into this and explain a little bit about what it means? I've got so many questions about it. Well, Rainy, my curiosity started with myself in that I grew up in a very masculine household. My father valued courage, athleticism, and steel equipment. And I showed up courageously. I had a lot of ambition. But I also, when I was triggered to or threatened, I could show up aggressively or controlling or maybe stubborn. And I was really curious about that. I thought there's something here. I'm armored up and I've been successful, but I don't feel good about myself. And what was underneath my armor was this incredibly resourceful, receptive, altruistic, innovative and vulnerable woman who was very wise. Instead of forcing her opinion, she actually stood back and took in the room and said, what do you think? What do you really want? Let's work together. Masculine energy is about doing, getting things done, and that's good. Feminine energy is more about being. And when you combine that receptivity with that visionary, courageous leader, oh my goodness, potent power. I was inspired by the Conscious Leadership Group, and I could not quoting them, I did in my book quote them correctly, but what Conscious Leadership Group says that conscious leaders know where they are at any given point. Even when you are triggered to react in a controlling or undermining way or an impulsive, people-pleasing way, you think, oh my goodness, that's the name step. Oh my goodness, I'm reacting. So now I'm gonna take a deep breath and I'm gonna choose to respond 
in an above the line way. Maybe I want to be more logical or maybe I want to be more collaborative. Maybe I want to ask for clarity. When we catch ourselves reacting, we have the opportunity to choose again to respond. And when you think about being a good leader, my goodness, I would like to follow the leader that is thinking about where they are and how they want to be. And this means that we're working together more than working against. And so that is really what the invitation is with this masculine leadership qualities, feminine leadership qualities, which are non-binary, both men and women, or however you identify have them. It's about really thinking about where you are. It's such a practice in emotional intelligence and behavior and how we're handling situations. When I think of above the line, and I like that you focus on being above the line because below the line is more that blame, claim, defensive nature of being below the line where none of us want to be. It's not productive. It's not healthy. It's actually self-sabotaging in many ways. It certainly isn't productive. I think of it sometimes as give some grace to this person. Give some grace to the situation. What advice would you give on how to identify where you are? Is it the moment that you're feeling that angst and that trigger? Is that where you put the pause and say, okay, I'm here, I'm left, I'm right. Where am I on the chart that you use every day? Is this where we go back to this resource and know how to respond from there? The top of my book, it says, your power and potential starts with your truth. So the most important thing is that you are truthful with yourself. You know <laughs> when you are triggered, when you are triggered and you, and you, cause you have a knot in your stomach, you get tightness in your shoulders. You might have anger. Something's coming up for you. You're not, you're back on your heels and that's a reaction. And I say that's a wounded response. And so it's really that self-awareness because you're not in integrity. When you're reacting, you are not in your integrity. And so what it is, is to notice, oh my goodness, this isn't sitting right with me. So I need to first receive myself with compassion. What's going on? What am I feeling right now in this moment? And then what I always ask myself is, gosh, Andrea, this is the lady that lives under, under my armor and she's so wise and she's lovely. And I'll say to her, you know, who do I really want to be? And I can choose to be compassionate for that person that just bit my head off. Or I could choose to think, you know what? I am really going to be more adaptable or flexible here because this person seems like they're having a bad day. Or maybe I want to be courageous in this moment. But it brings it back above the line. Andrea, you bring up a great point. Who do you really want to be in this situation? Where is it coming from inside of me? I mean, those are the questions that I'm thinking of now. We were talking before the recording about a recent experience. I was traveling away and on the other side of the world, having a wonderful time, all the new experiences that goes with that. And I had a phone call and it was to share some terrible news about a family member. It was devastating. It was very upsetting news about this person. And um, so I'm going to stop there. Yeah. So let's let's name mm-hmm. the moment that you got that news about someone you loved. Were you triggered? What was the feeling that came upon you? The trigger was loss. Immediately it was like, I'll lose them. Yeah. So that was the trigger and that created the emotion which is how I responded to the situation. Because Mm -hmm. that emotion for someone that you love, that feeling of worry and loss, I mean, that's real. So so normal. 
It is. Yeah. If the wise woman that lives just under your skin, Rainy, if she was going to receive you in that moment, what would she say to you? What would you want her to say to you? I think she would say, and this is what I heard, is is sort of be still, be in the moment for a moment and understand where things are and don't discount it. It's okay to feel this way, that it's okay to feel, but also to continue to move past this moment, but not disregard it. And that's how I look at things. And so it's like, I keep it. I don't disregard it because it's very real. It's still with me. You received yourself. Yeah. With passion and love and said, this is real. I understand this is really hard. You actually acknowledge that you had emotion. Oh, and yeah. so many of us don't. Gosh, we, we stop our emotions down. We don't. But she received herself. And the wise woman that lives under your, just under your skin said, it's okay to feel sad about that, to feel grief for someone you love. And that's right there. That was naming what is right there in that moment. And, and I, I like how you put the name on it too, because we were talking about this situation and suddenly it's like, name, claim, reframe. And it's the method. It's happening. And we do it, but you make it as a process. And so for me, I never thought name, claim, reframe. I just thought, this is what happened. This is my trigger to your point was the loss and sadness. And that was okay. That was normal. That's going to be there. What did you decide to claim to help yourself feel better in that yeah, moment? I, I claimed that I was so thankful. I had gratitude for what I was experiencing, where I was. And I wanted to separate that from the feeling of sadness and loss and what had triggered me. So I realized they're two separate things. And if I lump everything together in one big bowl, it would be a bit of a crisis. And I really just felt like with life happening at this moment and right now, it would be a disservice, if you will. It wouldn't be beneficial to both my family member, to me, to the people around me at the moment. And I just looked at all three of those things and felt like I need to really be where I am right now. There was a gratitude and there was this sort of grounding in your truth right there in that moment. It's like, I have an opportunity to respond with gratitude and celebration of where I am, because that's going to resource me and make it easier for me when I get back to the States where I'm going to be dealing with this challenge. That's so right. Let's move to the reframe. So how did that help you reframe the situation? And I think in the reframe, I felt not relieved because it didn't relieve me of the emotion I felt for the sadness. But it felt relief in a sense that I didn't have the weight on every single moment going forward is the best way I could describe that. I think also the reframe of it helped me just enjoy what was in front of me versus what was behind me or in front of me. And yeah. that's being present. And I'll also say this, that the group of people I was around were so incredible because they also saw this moment sort of unfold. And these people were all very new to me. I had just met them this week and they were so lovely and both interested, but yet respectful of space and situation. And we all just kept moving together. Yeah. And it was, it was so nice uh, because I think a lot of times you're around people that disregard people's emotions for who they're around. 
or don't care. But I think when you're around lovely people that acknowledge them and also celebrate the moment you're in with them now helps it. And it's very special. There's a part of this, Rainy, as you're speaking, that I'm seeing in really being vulnerable about what was happening for you. You actually welcomed people in to your struggle. You kind of built a community, a supportive community around where you were at that time. And I would say also admiration for how this wise woman who is really taking a very optimistic and strategic look at how she wants to be while she's here, which in the end really served you for when you came back. And it's, we all have the ability to do this. And it's just about, if we're going to be a good leader, it starts with ourselves and receiving ourselves with love and compassion and acknowledging that the emotion is there in the beginning. I wasn't planning on sharing any of this with the group, by the way. Like, not at all. I'm someone who would have probably just zipped it up and slugged through in the best way possible. But this one person noticed it on my face because it just happened. And you know, my eyes were all puffy and red and pretty obvious. And she just said, oh, my goodness, what's wrong? I almost said, oh, nothing. Oh, it's good. But all wasn't good. And it was really clear. And so let's ask ask you this, Rainy, because it's, I mean, it's just, there's so much, there's this incredible opportunity to build a supportive community. I mean, you had this very intuitive woman sitting next to you who noticed, and it's really hard to share something, but you actually connected that energy that built you up because of your decision to be vulnerable and share about something that was really, was happening. You actually strengthened, you felt love, you felt supported, you created a community of support to help you navigate your next step. So that's right there. Oh my goodness. I didn't even think about that until you mentioned it. Normally I would never have said a thing. I paused when she asked, I felt the good energy. I felt the love. It was her and another gentleman right there next to her. And I just said what had just happened. I repeated the conversation that I had and, um, I just felt like, why hide it? It's clearly on my face and why not? There was deep wisdom that really have moved you through it. And that's a very optimistic way to look at, you know, when plot twists and wrong turns that things happen in our lives. You always have the choice to glean the lesson. And man, did you get a good one out of that? (laughs) I'm just glad. I got it live and in person with you. <laughs> I feel like this is a therapy Rainy, session. I love it. Actually, Rainy, you already had it, my dear. We pulled out other things from it. <laughs> yeah. You already got it, my dear. You didn't mean me. You already oh. knew. Oh, Andrea, that is a positive about me. And, and also positive about you for recognizing that. So thank you. But I also want to acknowledge if we talk positive, let's talk about the negative, because this is the part we don't like talking about. And it's our inner critic. Yes. Well, I talk about the inner critic. It's called sometimes the saboteur or some people call it the gremlin, but it's the doubting voice in your head. We all have it. And I have several. But this doubting voice argues is trying to keep you safe from embarrassment, failure, rejection, whatever it is. And it keeps you playing safe like an overprotective parent. It doesn't have current information. And it says really mean things to you. I have many inner critics, but one of them I have is a 20-something college co-ed who doesn't think I'm smart enough, 
She never thinks I'm prepared. She is sure I'm going to embarrass myself. And she thinks I have no business doing whatever I'm doing. So if I'm going to be a guest on a podcast, she shows up and sits on my shoulder and goes, yeah, you shouldn't do this. You're going to embarrass us. And I notice that she's there and I think, okay, this is the voice. And I call her my crabby roommate. She's showed up and she's 20. I'm 60. She has no idea what I've done because she's just 20, for goodness sake. So I say to her, I know you're worried about us being on this podcast, but I can tell you, I wrote a book. I know a lot about this content and I guarantee you we're going to be fine. So I'm going to ask you to leave. Can you please leave? What did your inner critic say to you? Oh, I think she, I, is it a she or is it a he or what is it? I'm sure there are many people that stop in and out of my brain at many moments, but I mean, like everyone, I, I have the same inner critic. I think my most common one is, am I smart enough? Can I figure this out? Is this something that I'm capable of? And I think that inner critic also ends up being my biggest motivator. It's both my biggest saboteur and also my biggest motivator. It's funny. It's like they're fighting and the fuel just moves me. I think there's always a 1% truth to what the inner critics has to say. I'm going to push back on the fact that it's a motivator because I would say that the wise woman that lives under your skin, under your armor, is the one that knows the truth. So if you have the inner critic on one side and the wise and the woman- wise mo- Yeah, she's so- winning. Oh, for goodness sake. So the inner critic is worried that you're not smart enough, that you don't know enough, kind of like my crabby roommate. And so what does the wise woman know that your inner critic doesn't know? What does she know? I think it's a great question. I think the wise woman is the one who sort of fights back and says, well, you have the ability to do these things. You have the strength, you have the courage, you have the, you know, the grit, you have the intelligence and you can handle this and and this is going to work. And I think that's what this other person who is talking to me, quite frankly, a whole lot more than that critic. And it's a voice. Let's it's just, a voice. and the big strategy and the big trick about your inner critic is it's just a voice. And if you can separate yourself from the voice, like saying, whoa, that's my inner critic speaking. That's not my voice. It's the voice of doubt. It's trying to keep me safe from embarrassing myself. So I'm going to notice that's not me. That's the voice. So right there, you separate yourself from that voice. That's great advice. I mean, what is the way to just get rid of these people? Can we get crabby roommate to find a new roommate? The thing to remember is everybody has an inner critic. And I always poke fun at them and just take their power away by doing that. But the first thing is to really label and notice it. When does it show up? Usually when we're doing new things or we're taking up more space. And what is it saying? Because usually what it's saying is pretty black and white. And it and often it's not really fact-based. So right there, you've separated yourself. And then acknowledge its fear. I acknowledge that you're afraid, but you don't need to be because I know what I'm doing. I have the skills to figure this out. And so right there, you've taken your power away. And I think for our audience of many people, working women, they're out there, their colleagues, their peers, they're doing these things. And we run into more and more personalities. And with that becomes, oh, are we capable? Can we do this? It's that voice. And so I think these are great tools wherever we are in life, the workplace or personal, 
speaking of the energies, I, I love that we can understand whether we are in a work situation. What are we displaying? What are we feeling? How do we respond? What's healthy? And this all, I'm sure you would agree, leads to growth and building of emotional intelligence within us. Absolutely. And it's really an opportunity to show up as your best self. But you have to receive yourself by naming where you are, really, and saying, okay, I'm feeling triggered. And I'm going to give myself a beat to think about how I want to respond. Who do I want to be? And then I'm going to claim an action that really matches up with who I really want to be. When we reframe our mindset is that we've really separated our ego. When you separate your ego, oh my, if we all separated our ego... Can you imagine how much better the oh, world would be? The world would be a lovely place. <laughs> it's, I mean, so much of what we do is we have our ego attached to it. And so I always catch myself, okay, are you doing this to stroke your ego? Is this really going to serve what your goals are for the future? And having that conversation with yourself in your truths. And what do you find most women are struggling with right now? Your clients, the people who are reading your books, your community? Is there anything that you're noticing that are stressors? It, it, we all have stress in life. We all have triggers in life. But what would be the most common that you're running into when you're speaking with your, you know, whoever, when you're your audience, your community? Absolutely. And I'm going to use the wisdom of Marianne Williamson because she said, you playing small does not serve the world. And she had this wonderful quote that says, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are so much more powerful than we think. We think we're too much. And the women that come to me, I work with both women and men, but I think with women, we struggle with this. We're so afraid we're going to take up too much space. And they really have this fear of disrupting the status quo, you know, that, that they're going to disappoint the people because they've had this identity, I've done this and I've done this, and people are going to be disappointed. And what's going to happen if I ch change careers? at age 50? Are people going to be upset? And so the thing that I really try to help them see is that you are not the same person you were five years ago or 10 years ago. And let's figure out who you are now and what's calling me on the inside. And do I have the strength to really pull out the badass woman that lives inside me? And so it's helping them find that. Um, I think that there's a real fear of looking at our pain and our emotion. And you and I talked a lot about triggers, but really noticing what those triggers are. What are the things that set you off that you cannot be with? And getting clear on that. The third thing that I think is really important, Rainy, is learning what your core beliefs are. Because when you know what your core beliefs are, you really have clarity about what you really want. And you're able to keep sacred what's most important. And when I say that, I talk about energetic boundaries, like mm -hmm. saying a kind but clear no thank for you instead of yes, mm -hmm. when you don't have any business doing it. It really becomes your filter. I read something long ago that said, if it's not a hell yes, then it's an absolute no. And you have to be energetic about it. You have to be excited about the things that you say yes to, because our time is so valuable. Uh, I mean, if we're not excited about what we're doing in life, then why even bother? We have the control over that. And you bring up a good point, Rainy. I mean, 
we all have to do things we don't want to do. In your role at work, you have to do something you don't want to do. My little hack for that is I think, okay, I have to do this thing I don't want to do, but I'm going to choose some core values or core beliefs that I'm going to claim when I do that thing that I don't want to do. Maybe I'm being patient, I'm being generous, or maybe I'm being collaborative, or I am grateful for the opportunity. You've taken your power back because you have chosen how you are going to do it. Find a way that the yes actually does meet the value for you or the value for your family or or can show a lesson or can illustrate something to someone. Watching and observing you and this reframe piece is so big. It's it's very poignant to me. I have to touch on this well-lived life part because when we started the conversation, I said, wow, everyone wants to have a well-lived life. And I'd, I'd like to ask that question of you. What is that definition of your well-lived life, Andrea? It's such a great question. And actually, I I had a little bit of a battle with my publisher about this because he said, this is so vague. What does that mean? And (laughs) I said, a well-lived life is not perfect, but it means that you know exactly where you are and that you have taken your power back and you've been strategic and resourceful and visionary, and you're curating a life that you want to live. And that's a well-lived life. I mean, actually, well-lived lives are messy, but you're living them within your sovereignty. And that is my definition of a well-lived life. It's inspirational and beautiful. And on that note, what has been the mentor moment that you'd love to share with our audience today? Because I know that there's been someone in your life who has helped you or said something to you that might have taken you on this journey that you're all helping us on. Well, thank you, Rainey. In the book, I thank a lot of people. I have a lot of mentors in my life and I called them in to help me along. Um, And the person that has been really an incredible mentor to me is Tanya Geisler, who is my coach at the time. She also wrote the foreword to my book. And as she's just been, she's really helped me to own my authorship and the Porsche engine that is inside my body. I used to be so afraid of my power and now I know how to drive it. But she said two things to me that really, really have helped me. And I hope that they help your listeners. Dare to believe someone when they tell you how remarkable you are. Because I think we struggle with acknowledgements. And I have a whole system on how to, how to take compliments because I, I'm not good at it. I think we struggle to see our own light and to really believe that people see our light. And that's a big one. And I'm going to ask add another one. Because this is what I say to my clients all the time. Do it. You're ready enough. <laughs> I mean, we all think we have to be overprepared. Just do it. Take one step in the right direction. And then you're doing the thing that you want to do. Do it. You're ready enough. Do it. Oh, those are beautiful. I could talk to you for hours. This mentorship and this advice that you are getting are so real. I think a friend's like, oh, I love your dress. Oh, this old thing. I didn't even think it would fit. I thought it was awful. Like, I mean, it's like, just stop. Like, just stop. Just just accept it. And then we could get so much better at that. We're going to link everything to how to find you, how to buy your book and all of those things. But you have so much to share about how to believe in yourself, how to understand the power within, how to just live that well-lived life. 
And we want to do that with you and with your guidance and advice. And I have to ask, how can everyone find you? Where can they find the book? How can they connect? Where are you? Well, Name, Claim, and Reframe can be found anywhere books are sold. And my website is andreadewittadvisors.com. I'm also on Instagram and I have lots of fun on Instagram, Andrea DeWitt Coaching. So I do all sorts of silly things on Instagram and I bring in um, life challenges, things that happen in my life. And I want to leave you with this in that I am learning right beside you. Be your own guru. I really am living a well-lived life because I'm learning. (laughs) I'm making mistakes and I'm giving myself a chance to choose again. And we all have that opportunity, the chance to choose again. You are such a special soul. I wish people listening could see your face right now because you're oozing in growth and understanding and grace and kindness and all the wonderful things that we've been able to appreciate from this conversation today. Andrea, we're, we're just really, really thankful to have you and to share this time together. And for me, it is a hell yes. <laughs> hey, everybody, go out and buy this book, Name, Claim, and Reframe, The Path to a Well-Lived Life. We're so proud of you for getting this out there and start living and sharing all the good things that are are yet to come. And thank you, Andrea. Cheers to you and your success and all the impact that you're making out there. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I hope you'll walk away feeling inspired and are thinking of how a mentor moment can help you or someone you know. In case you haven't hit the follow button to subscribe to this show, please do so. And if you love the episode, I'd really appreciate a review. You see, this review helps Apple or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to us on know that other women just like you want to learn about the show and it'll help us spread the word. Let's connect on Instagram at Working Women Mentor or at Rainy Alfers. You can find all episodes online at rainyalfers.com forward slash podcast and the ability to send an audiogram of your favorite mentor moments. And we respond to everyone. I truly can't wait to hear from you. Check back weekly for new episodes and cheers until the next episode. <laughs>